you just wrap my poop in plastic. Like, that's biodegradable. What are you doing? Yeah, actually, uh, hot tip. We stopped buying poop bags. And I guess the show started. We're, we're just going to skip the intro today. That's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. We're going. We stopped, we stopped buying poop bags for Nugget. And instead, we are reusing whatever trash we create or like accumulate uh, to pick up his poop. And that works for us, okay, because we have a little tiny dog. He's 11 pounds. He makes small little poops. Um, so the thing that we've been using, check this out. We get poop bags delivered every week, as many mm-hmm. as we need, in the form of those grocery store advertisements that they Oh, like. totally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. trash that you can't yeah. make the, the U.S. mail service stop giving you. Yeah. They're like, for I whatever reason, tried. obligated to give you it. Yeah. 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 I think it must be like the grocery stores like pay. It, it must be like the original PPC campaign or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's unstoppable. It's now just a fact of life. Yeah. Yeah. But it works for us now at this point. We found a good use for it. So That's great. That's great. Yeah. I don't think that would work very well for our 70 pound pit bull mix. Um, yeah, I, I think there are just some risks there. I'm not willing to take, but yeah. the neighborhood that we live in provides <laughs> like bags. And so, you know, if they're providing like it, bag. I'll like, use them like poop, poop bags. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Like poop bags that are designed to be poop bags or like for someone yeah. got a bunch of like, uh, uh okay. Well, that's still, yeah, a bit it's not like a bunch of used grocery bags. It is, it, it, but it's like they provide it so we'll use it but we're not yeah, gonna be yeah. buying those anymore i totally get where you're coming from yeah one thing that um the park down the street well i guess a couple of parks in the neighborhood they um will provide plastic bags for people to clean up after their dogs but they're all plastic they're all like reclaimed plastic bags so if someone buys like a loaf of bread and it comes in a plastic bag that might end up in this little container to let people use to pick up poop. Oh, that's cool. Which is great. As long as you don't get a bag with like a big hole in it. Yeah. Well, you know, you can examine the bag in the first place. (laughs) It's on you to, to ensure the integrity of the (laughs) bag. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And you know, worst case scenario, you get a little poop on your hands, just wash your hands. It's, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. That's true. It's just dog poop. Yeah. Feed your dog better if you're worried about your dog's poop getting on your hands. Ooh. <laughs> That's my hot take for the day. If you have oh, issues so with got, your dog's poop, you're not taking care of your dog. So I got I got like a slight rant, right? All right, Grant um, Rant, let's do it. So I got a, I got a Grant Rant. There was this thing posted to, uh, to Twitter yesterday, and I, I got sucked into being a, a React reply guy, and it was this like, uh, <laughs> it was this meme where they show like, a very basic React component with like state. Oh, and this was Scott like Talinsky's thing. Right, yeah, Scott Talinsky retweeted this and it got big, it, it got yeah. a lot of stuff on his and, and I like replied to it like, oh, well, can you can you like static render and render to like uh, native apps and this? And 
like I, I sent that tweet and I'm like, God, why am I such a douchebag? Like I really am like I work in React and I think React is great. I also think Svelte is pretty cool. I think Vue is cool. Like I'm not that yeah. guy. I don't want to be that guy. Like it was just terrible. And so like I, I, I tweet this and then like I see all the replies to my tweet and I'm like, I'm just not going to continue to engage with this. Like I got, I got tricked and I, I took the bait and it was pretty bad. So I guess uh, it's really a rant about like tweets, me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're ranting on yourself. Yeah. But that's like, I don't know. That's the coward's way out. I live with the shit that I put out in the universe. Hmm. I, I support deleting tweets. Like what is, what is deleting that going to really accomplish for me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah support. Deleting I mean, tweets. it's, it's, I didn't say anything like horrendous. There was actually, so there was actually one reply to this, uh, that brought up something called felt kit, uh, which does like SSR yeah. and stuff like that out of the box. So it's like their version of like a meta framework, like a, like a next or a Gatsby kind of, or a view, view, X, view next vexed is it vexed i can never remember nuxt nuxt i can never it's remember nuxt no, it's not vex it is nuxt vexed vexed is way better yeah 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 so ssr <laughs> right okay. so yeah and, and you know you gotta you gotta think like <laughs> somebody in the in that reply chain was like you know there there's magic in all of this stuff and like who 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 should feel uh, guilty about there being magic in their code? I'm like, it does seem really weird that that we want to shame each other for the amount of magic in our code. Like, if you're not writing just raw JS to the DOM, like you're just somehow less of a developer. Like, that's that's wild. Like, that's an insane thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and really, like React. React does have a little bit of magic in it, right? Like the JSX stuff sure. is not browser native. It, like it gets magicked out with uh, Babel and Webpack and whatever. But I mean, I, I like, yeah, I get it. You know, like it's when it does too much magic, it is kind of like, I don't know what's going on. And I don't know, like, I think the fear of magic is people that have experience with it, um, have experience with getting bit by it where it's like, when you start doing things that should work according to the programming language, um, yeah. but then for some reason around this context or in this uh, situation where the magic is happening, it just doesn't work as expected. So, yeah, you know, that like, makes sense. So, like the the magic is a compromise where you get this ease of use, but it has these maybe subtle yeah. or secret restrictions. That that leads into our topic really well, actually. I think. Cause, cause Take it like, away, baby. We're we're talking about uh, like sharing dependencies across projects, and this is this is a concern that anybody building something at scale, or um, you know, maybe maybe even not at scale, but building something that involves uh, multiple projects that consume it, or multiple projects that need to cooperate in some way, um, you'll run into uh, this kind of shared dependency issue. Um, and so there's there's a lot of ways to tackle it, and there's been a lot of uh, kind of history with this. Um, but I mean, I think the simplest and most obvious approach to this is you you just have multiple dependencies, right? Like you just live with 
one app has this version, the other app has that version, so be it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so let's back up a little bit. Okay. Because first of all, I didn't even see what you were talking about, about the uh, previous point leading into this discussion, but you know, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, let's get the show on the road. Uh, Do it. Yeah, so I think um, you brought up this discussion. I think a, a good example was something that we were discussing about before the show, which was um, like if you have a, a library or if you have some code, right, some uh, module in your, some package in your module, whatever, in your project, mm. you have a code, let's say it's an HTTP library that you wrote yourself. And then you find that there's a bug with it or like a feature that you want to add with it. Well, that code might exist within your project. And if it does, great. All you have to do is update that code to do, you know, fix the bug or add the feature. And then boom, bam, you're done. The problem is when you have an organization that has multiple projects and let's say they all want to share that code how do you share that code across project A and project B, right? So let's say it's a bug fix and you fix the bug, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I guess naive approach is you copy it and then paste it into project B, right? At larger organizations where you have 10 projects like that, that becomes a bigger issue. So that's where it we're kind of leading into today. Well. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think I think a lot of places where you're going to run into this and where you have like 10 plus projects consuming some internal library, uh, they're going to want you to use some sort of package registry, right? Yeah, that's one option. So they're going to want you to publish this package so that it can be consumed. You're going to use some sort of versioning, right? So like uh, a lot of places I've worked, uh, we'll, we'll just publish these to like public NPM. Uh, we recently started using uh, like private GitHub mm -hmm. packages. Um, we also use like an internal uh, registry as well. Uh, that's like heavily secured and guarded and vetted and, and all of that kind of stuff too. Um, so like package registries kind of run the gamut where there's a lot of options there, but basically it's which location do you run the install from and you pull it into your project and there's a version attached to that and you can update that version to get bug fixes or updates or features or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of the, uh, the approach with that, um, I think I've used that, but I mean, I, I've kind of used that before cause I, I write utensils, like I maintain utensils and I've used that at a couple of companies and it's like, at this point it does so much that I want that any pro any view project I'm working on, I'm just going to pull in view utensils and get going from there. But then if I work on a project and find that it, it's missing a feature, I'll like public, like write that feature to utensils, publish a new version, deploy it to NPM. And then in the project that I'm working on, pull that down. It's got the new, it's got the new version, therefore the new feature. Um, I think there's, utensils there's some is like that really neat invisible, uh, like UI library that just provides accessibility, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a naked component library for people that care about uh, bespoke styles and performance and accessibility. It's such like a badass <laughs> concept, honestly. Uh, React, like I've always loved that idea. <laughs> React has a React has a, a version. I think Reach UI is would be like the equivalent in React land. And actually, uh, oh yeah, web, okay. web components, um, Lion Web Components by ING, I think. No, IGN. Um, I think they're like a very similar thing as well. 
kind of like styleless components. <clears throat> okay. But we digress. So the point being that yes. like if you want to like I, I think that you brought this up because of some of the work that you're doing with like a design system, right? Like if you work at a company and you're maintaining a design system and that company has five different projects that it needs to um that that it's building, it wants one shared design system, right? Who chance um, works on Reach UI. This is wild. Okay. I haven't looked at Reach <laughs> Reach UI for a while, but okay. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so we're just, I was talking about you. So I'm glad that you were, you know, I had your full undivided attention. I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> Please go on. Oh no, I know. I'm, I'm used to it. And you know what? I like you. <laughs> I like you. I'm glad you tolerate my uh, lack so, of attention span. Um, so like your design system mm. work, right? Like if you're at a company that has five, <laughs> um, if you're at a company that has like five different products, you might have um, your design system that you want to work with and you want to distribute that design system to your five different products, right? Um, so you can use NPM, right? You can say, I'm going to publish it as like my design system on NPM and or GitHub packages registry and then pull it down to those five different projects when you have uh, an update. The problem with this approach is uh, when you're working inside of one of those projects and you want to be able to change something in your design system, you need to have that code, like that code is running somewhere else. They're not part of the same project. And so it gets kind of difficult because do you even have the design system project running locally? Do you have the credentials or the authorization to make the changes and then publish it to NPM and then go to your project and pull it down? You know, like it works well in some cases, it doesn't work well in others. Um, yeah, and I, I think like, especially like some scenarios come to mind where that sort of separation and protection is really important and good. Like having that separation of concern where like a team runs into a roadblock, they need a feature within the UI system and, you know, they, they need to just re request that from, you know, their peer over in some other team. Um, I think that separation in a, in, in a bigger organization makes sense. Whereas like smaller organizations that need velocity over, uh, you know, whatever other benefits that approach brings, um, might, uh, might want to do something else. Um, yeah, we're, we're in it. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to ask, so, uh, I don't think that's the solution that you guys are doing. And, you know, based on our conversations, let's get it, let's get into like how you're kind of tackling this and how that's going. Yeah, yeah. So, so something that we're we're currently doing is we're building a UI library, and it's going to be consumed by uh, more or less micro front ends. Um, and so, I've been looking into solutions on how to take uh, these disparate projects that will all consume some common dependencies, some of them internal, some of them external. Um, and present them under kind of one domain as one project without like navigation jank and like users getting a bunch of uh, duplicate bundles and, and stuff like that. Like I don't, I don't want the user uh, experience or performance to be affected by our stack in that way. And so like 
it really uh, it, it really bothered me that uh, this this isn't something that's been solved in a meaningful way as far as I'm concerned. Like some of the solutions that we'll talk about today are are in their infancy. Um, and some of them are, are all grown up, but have a nasty reputation, which is one of the ones that I ended up going with for, for our team right now. Um, but this, this like uh, registry approach, I think makes a lot of sense until you get into this scenario where uh, a user is going to cross application boundaries on the same site. So let's say I am on uh, widgets.com and I go over to the store and the store is a separate app from the main kind of marketing yeah. site, but they share dependencies. They both use React. They both use you know the same UI library. But once I cross that application boundary as the user in my browser, I start getting duplicate code across these bundles because they're separate packages that are built separately mm. that are unaware of each other. And so like this is a problem. And I start looking into mm -hmm. some of the meta frameworks like Gatsby and Next and like, how do they solve this? Like they're, they're doing stuff at, at big scale. And I'm talking to people who are building stuff at big scale. And this is, this is not something that I think has been solved in a very meaningful way uh, with a few exceptions, but I don't like those solutions. So we're, we're doing something that is just a compromise, which is, which is really where I think most people land uh, just to get stuff done and get things started and, uh, and to be productive and keep the business, you know, from firing all their developers and just hiring a bunch of contractors. I don't know. Um, so we'll, we'll get into exactly where I landed, but, um, yeah. Yeah. You touch on something interesting there because I, I was bringing up the, uh, pain points of maintenance across like shared dependencies or like yeah, pro like dependencies across multiple projects and like the shared parts, right? Um, but then you kind of touched on a little bit of the performance implications of having the same shared dependency in two different apps being essentially the same, the same amount of bundle or like app application code in two different bundles when it could just be the same code, right? Like that's like, um, an unnecessary hit that the user needs to take on on the amount of data that they're downloading. Exactly, um, exactly. And I wonder it's, if that could be solved with something, well, something like uh, ES modules, right? In the browser, it's just like you could deploy your design system code as a module and then both applications could pull that in as a module that's in the browser that's like, uh, you know, no longer... I don't know, one, one download, like theoretically across two different apps, it could be within saved with stored within this cache or something like that. That also depends on the domain because caching is dependent on the domain at this point, but. Yeah, know. this is ES build. Is it, am I right in thinking that Snowpack does something with like ES modules? Yeah. Or am I crazy? No, no, that's right. Um, okay. I think there's there's yeah. still some maturing so, there's still some maturing uh, for that, but right. And so and so like that's part of the problem with the ecosystem currently is like we have this great opportunity for these tools 
to give users an experience that's excellent as well as maintaining an excellent developer experience. And like that I think is, mm. is what really, really matters is, is like, you know, we, we send a lot of JS down the line. It is a problem. Like, I think there's a balance. I don't think like everything needs to be static HTML and CSS. Like I'm, I'm just not that person. Um, I understand that argument and I think that it makes sense in a lot of contexts, but it just isn't realistic. Um, but, but I do think we need to be very cognizant of how much JS we send down the line and writing, uh, large projects, knowing that there's going to be lots of bundle overlap and duplication, um, seems really problematic. And so, um, there's, there's one solution out there that I think solves this without a whole lot of duplication, but we didn't go for it. Um, just because it's not a stack that I want to work in. It's, it's one that I have worked in and, and didn't necessarily want to go back to. Um, and that's framework specific solutions. And this is Gatsby. Gatsby has a, uh, a feature known as Gatsby themes. Um, it does some awesome webpack magic, uh, that Chris Biscardi wrote, uh, just a couple years ago. Um, and so what it allows you to do is build Gatsby projects, export them to be consumed in other Gatsby projects. Mm. And so you could build all of your microsites as Gatsby projects, export them and import oh, them okay, as a Gatsby cool. theme into like a, uh, a kind of main orchestrating uh, Gatsby repository. And then it would, it, it would, it would all bundle up into a single application. And like, that is, that's a hundred percent the solution that I want. I want that in Next.js. Um, I want some of the flexibility that Next provides. Um, and th there, there are issues uh, that, that I just didn't want to deal with in Gatsby. And so um, I, I don't get that solution. But I do think that down the line, some ubiquitous method to achieve that same goal will appear. And I think it'll come out of um, some of what you're talking about, like some of this stuff with like snowpack, ES modules, that sort of thing. Well, We're going to get into a little bit uh, about module federation, which is something that I came across that just isn't mature enough for our needs. Um, but sadly, what we landed on is a mono repo. Okay, so so hold on though. So hold on the the Gatsby theme, like that's really interesting because that basically kind of solves the um, the design system issue, right? Um, but that's where you would put your design system is as a sort of theme. But then um, how do you actually handle the dependency of that theme? Like if you have project A and project B, how are you distributing the Gatsby theme to those two projects? They typically be published as, as uh, packages in a registry somewhere. And so like if, if we were using them for our needs, it would be like some private GitHub package. You could also put them in a mono repo. Like there's not, there's not a restriction there on how you distribute that. Um, the, the mechanism is kind of up to you. I think typically people would publish them though. Okay. So it's still the, it's still the NP, the sort of package registry thing. Okay. And that's not the solution that you guys went. So let, let's hear like, what route did you end up going? So I, I consulted with many, many people on this. And uh, as soon as I told them, you know, th this is what I want to do. This is, you know, where I see the future of our org going. Um, and I want to do this kind of like wild thing uh, that only like one group has solved. 
they're like, why, why don't you want to use a monorepo? And my experience around monorepos has been really miserable. Um, I think, I, I think uh, monorepos get a bad reputation uh, for a lot of very good and valid reasons. Like they're difficult to work in. Uh, we, you know, I've, I've worked with some that are just managed very poorly. They become massive. Uh, and just really um, quick, what, what is a monorepo just to clear it? Oh, this is, this is a good thing. If, if, uh, if you don't know what a monorepo is, it's essentially where uh, a, a company or a group or an organization will put uh, all of their, pro well, okay, so not all of their projects, projects that are somehow related will be in a single repository in like github or gitlab or whatever it'll be a single git repository uh but it has multiple projects on it so multiple teams and this is where you start to see the problems multiple teams are editing within this project and making changes and making pull requests and so there's there's a lot um there's a lot of tooling necessary to like link one project mm. to another to ensure that you know, coding standards are upheld across all of these projects that their internal dependencies that are kind of cross-cutting uh, are all up to date. So there's tools like Lerna, uh, Yarn Workspaces is one that I've worked with um, that, that kind of comes to mind. Uh, but we're actually using some tooling that came out of the Angular community called NX. Um, and so I specify that it came out of the Angular community because what it provides which I find really interesting, um, which which works really really well for for teams that are growing and, and larger. Um, it provides a lot of structure to hang your project on. So scaffolding for where projects live, how they talk to one another, how all of the build, lint, um, type checking, testing, all of that kind of stuff, like where it all lives and behaves. And this is why Angular developers love Angular is because there is the Angular way to do it. And when you want to generate a component, you run ng generate new component. Like it's brilliant. And like for a problem like what we what we were looking at, like th this is a real issue. And so like in NX, you can generate a new project. And within that project, you can generate a new component. Uh, it, it'll build, like it builds Angular projects, but it builds React projects, it builds Node projects, it builds Next.js projects, it'll build Gatsby, like it builds Vue projects, it'll do Vue X, Vue, v, <laughs> Vexed. Vue, v, Vexed, <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Why can I never remember it? <laughs> you, you get it someday. One of these days I'll remember that it's, Hmm? Uh, mm -hmm. Nux. <laughs> Nux. Nux. Uh, it's so easy. It's it's the same as next, but with one letter different. I think that's what makes it so hard is there's no V in it. And so it it's like nothing else in the view <laughs> ecosystem that I've encountered. So, so, th so this was, this was kind of, uh, my path to get here was like eliminating all of these, what in my mind seem like really neat solutions. They're just going to take a lot of time and effort. Like the, the amount of work that it would take to get us, uh, to a place where that's viable and stable enough for, you know, what, what we're putting out.
um, like we just we just don't have the muscle for it, and that's unfortunate because I think it's absolutely the future. But I also think it's the future that needs to be made um, across all the projects, right? Like uh, across all frameworks, across all like, uh, and so yeah, like ES modules that that may absolutely be play like a, a pivotal role in this. Um, something I ran across in in looking for a solution for this is something called Module Federation. Um, which uh, Zach Johnson, who who works on Webpack, um, kind of released this idea, and it's it's this like wild, and you you haven't heard of this, right? Hmm, not really. Okay, so it's it's this kind of wild, like you can have separate projects that are somehow aware of one another during their Webpack build, and they're. Um, they're able to uh, kind of recognize common dependencies and not duplicate bundle distribution to the client. Um, there are some interesting things about how you have to run these projects locally for development and how you have to publish them. Um, that's something that I didn't want to have to deal with. Um, it also feels like a lot of lock-in to a very, very specific method of like building and sharing dependencies across projects. Like it, it feels very much like you are a hundred percent buying into that method, um, whereas maintaining like so, a. So this is more for the performance aspect of shared dependencies, right? Like it's avoiding uh, duplication across bundles, not necessarily the maintenance aspect of uh, shared dependencies. Exactly. Exactly. So it's yeah, it's much more uh kind of to the point of my concerns versus like i i think we're coming at like related problems that are just a bit different um but i i also think like anytime you're dealing with a dependency that's shared across projects like you 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 need to consider um you're not just bloating one bundle if you don't have this this solved right mm. like if you don't have a way of web packing all of this down into uh, a single project to present to your user, like you're knowingly sending them duplicate code that's not gonna be used. Yeah, and you know, the interesting problem with that is, I think um, back in the, so kind of a story from back in the day of web development and how things have changed is like, uh, it used to be a common practice to pull a share. So let's say like jQuery, for example, perfect example. Um, almost every site was running jQuery and it was kind of like a, a common practice to pull jQuery from a CDN because the thought is, well, if a user goes to site A and site A pulls like jQuery from the CDN and then mm -hmm. the user goes and visits site B and Jake and site B loads jQuery from the exact same CDN, so the same URL, that user will have downloaded jQuery to, you know, from that URL. So when they go to site B, they'll already have that version running. And this is no longer the case actually, because um, browsers, no, 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 not because of Webpack. Um, I mean, it is because of Webpack, but, um, Actually, browsers, it depends on the, the domain. So um, if 
you are on the same, I think, root domain, then you can uh, share the same cache. But across different, completely different domains, um, those cache, that cache is no longer shared. So if you get the exact same version of jQuery on domain A, and then you go to domain B, and it tries to load the exact same version of jQuery from the exact same URL, it's still going to download, which is, I don't know, probably a, a security thing, but also kind of annoying because um, that would have been, you know, the kind of the beautiful thing about ES modules is that like, theoretically, every user that needs, or every ap application that needs the same version of Lodash um, could theoretically like save people um, data by using ES modules. Not the case. It totally though. makes sense. And so like, I think that could be accomplished and this is something that I thought about and, and it it's just too complex for us to solve for our little projects right now. But um, like setting, j just for our UI library as an example, right? Like setting that in Webpack as an external and then somehow in the compiled code referencing some uh, some bundle that's published to a CDN, like that that should accomplish exactly the same thing. And, you know, we're planning to publish this across the same domain no matter what. So like, it doesn't break that rule within the browser. I think that's doable, um, but that's not something that I hear many people talk about doing for like shared dependencies, like externalizing those, bundling them separately so that, you know, they can run these microsites, uh, you know, across their domain, they can be, you know, they can all run their own, like one can be running on Gatsby and one can be running on this or that. And it'll all, uh, you know, kind of share some of the common dependencies like React. Yeah. You know, you could just publish it to some URL, like just download it from uh, NPM, copy and paste the code into a file, throw it up onto a URL and then reference it from uh, microsite A and microsite B. And it, you can make it work. You don't need, you can step away from things like Webpack and, uh, what is it, module federation or whatever, and just like go a little bit old school and, and that will work. And especially with ES modules, that will be more of a viable option. Anyway, it's interesting. Um, yeah, the I, like, I, I haven't seen much. I, I'd like to have the, something in place that is, is, is automated, right? Yeah, of course. I haven't seen much of the module or the package or whatever dependency federation stuff so it's very new it's the little little internet baby so it does remind me of something that if i can if we can move on to the next uh point is um there's also a challenge with shared dependencies across um even within the same project in some cases so if you've ever worked with a project that um, is deploying Lambda functions or like serverless functions, um, those functions may have a shared dependency. So let's say, I don't know, function one needs access to the database and function two needs access to the database. And so you kind of create your own module that like handles accessing the database or even if, even if it's a low dash sort of thing, right? Something that would be stored in package.json. So the way that uh, serverless functions want to work is they want the fewest number of dependencies available because they need to be small because when they're small, that's how they um, reduce uh, cold starts and just run faster. Um, and so 
a lot of serverless function providers require you to have an individual like package.json file for each route. And so if you have, you know, several routes as part of the same project, uh, ideally you would want like a single package.json saying, oh, I need, you know, Lodash for these three routes and I need this other thing for this other one. Well, that's not how uh, AWS or whoever wants wants it to work for you, right? Like you would need right. different package.json for each route you create. Um, anyway, that story is is getting better. I think Netlify uh, functions, like their service, I think they have a way of essentially allowing you to have a single package.json and then at some, at the build time on their end, they figure out which dependencies out of your big list of dependencies are needed for route A and which ones are needed for route B. And they kind of like smartly build only the smallest deployment necessary. Um, for me, that's still like working knowledge. Um, but there's another company called begin.com. They maintain an open source project called Architect, uh, which is really awesome. And they have a way of essentially removing the magic around that so you can create your shared dependencies in a folder and then when you kind of like hit save or something it essentially takes your shared dependencies and injects them into the folder where each of the functions are running so if you define a function a and function b they both need their own sort of folder for that function to run and then the shared dependencies kind of get pulled into that folder as its own little, you know, serverless function with all the dependencies it needs packaged right there, nice and easy. I don't know if that was clear, but we'll link to the documentation that probably does a better job of explaining it. Um, but yeah, that way you basically deploy these functions and uh, the shared dependencies aren't actually shared. They're like cloned and copied over. Yeah, that's, that's something that I'm going to have to look into because we're using Netlify. Yeah, so yeah, we're 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 using Netlify. I plan to have any of our kind of our functions are, are going to be uh, kind of independent libraries that that we publish and run that way. And that way, each kind of application can access those and depend on them existing in the Netlify ecosystem instead of depending on a framework like Gatsby or Next to produce those, which will end up, I believe, in Netlify being exactly the same thing. But this allows us to kind of have our own um, individual uh, kind of separated concerns for the code. So I think we've covered like a lot of really interesting uh, kind of high level concepts with this, um, like the the approach that you take with this really depends on what your needs are when you're building your project. And so it's, it's super difficult to, uh, it's super difficult to nail down like one approach versus another. Cause I think in a lot of approaches, like it doesn't necessarily matter if you're sending duplicate code, depending on your user path through your sites. Um, I, I just find that to be, uh, something like I don't want to do as a developer. Like I, I want to avoid that as much as possible. Um, but I know, um, you know, there, there, there are lots of kind of paths to, to good enough. Um, and really where I hope to get to with this is, is not just good enough, but a solution that, that benefits more than just us. 
Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think it's a problem that a lot of people are facing with. And even even with some of these solutions, like they all, they're all fine. They, they work, but they all have kind of their pros and cons. The one that we didn't really touch on too much or at all was um, Git submodules. And I think both of us had some shared experience with this was like, we've both run into this at this point in our careers and inevitably you get to the conversation of Git submodules and it's like, Oh, that, that sounds perfect. That sounds exactly what I need. Uh, and every conversation around it is do not use Git submodules, avoid at all cost. And to explain what Git submodules is, and it's even kind of hard to explain, but it's basically, uh, a Git repo within a Git repo. Um, or something like that. So you can tell your Git repo that within the Git repo, it kind of depends on these other Git repositories. And so at some point, if your Git repository over there gets an update, you can tell the one that you're working on, hey, uh, current project, please pull down the latest changes from a remote project and it will do that. And I think the benefit to get submodules or the theory in theory, the benefit to get submodules is you should be able to make changes to one of your dependencies within your project and update the remote repo. And in theory it works, but in practice it doesn't. And I don't remember what the problem was when I ran into it, but it, it just like becomes a can of worms. And it's it's hard to separate the, uh, I think with, with all of the shared dependencies, like you have to have a very strict separation of concerns or like a, a you can't have like spaghetti code leaking from one project to another. Yeah, like I can, I can imagine like just from that explanation, I can I can imagine scenarios where like I consider myself a mediocre Git person. Like I I understand Git to a mediocre level. I can resolve some issues. I can you know do some things. Once in a while, I resort to just deleting everything and and you know pulling everything from <laughs> from the from the main branch back down. Um, but like I, I think I'm pretty mediocre at Git. Uh, I can't imagine like get sub modules where you're resolving those things both with a core repository and remotes or subs right is it like mm. a sub dom relationship happening or how does that work <laughs> um I, I i don't know there's no safe word though i think that's the problem <laughs> uh the, the safe word. All right. Well, safe word anyway, RM dash RF. Oh gosh. Yeah. Watch out with that one. Um, I think it's worth mentioning, like in this conversation, it's worth mentioning. If, if you're running into this sort of issue, take a look, definitely read about what's like all the conversations around it, because I think some people have probably pulled it off and, it works great. I think in a lot of people have tried and it doesn't work great. So maybe it works for you. Maybe you're smarter. You're probably smarter than us, me. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's wrap up. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to, I want to do my shout out. I'm very excited to do my shout out. Um, 
My shout out is tape measures. Uh, so we just we just got a new fridge, <laughs> nice. and my so like my wife went to design school. She's uh, an interior designer. She does like project management and stuff now, but like she knows how to measure things, right? So this isn't me being an idiot with a tape measure, not knowing what he's doing. Like we measured the shit out of the opening for the fridge. We bought a fridge. It should fit. It did not fit. Um, <laughs> and so, alert. yeah, I, I do have lots of tools, including saws. And so I made that thing fit. Um, uh, we're, we're renting a place right now. And so I think we're probably not going to get our deposit back. I don't know. Do you think like permanent modification to the kitchen would warrant not getting a deposit back? <laughs> uh, <laughs> depends. What's your um, painting and or plaster skills? You you make a good point. I might be able to pull it off. We'll see when we put the old fridge back mm. if I can make it look right. Wow. Well, good luck with that. Um, I am going to give a shout out to a book that I love called The Alchemist. Um, it is by Paulo. How much Coelho. do you really love it? You don't even know the author's name. <laughs> I don't know how to say the author's name, but I love the book. Uh, you want to know how much I love this book? I am rereading it for the third time in a row. Not just like third time. So do you love it or is your reading comprehension just like really low? <laughs> nice. You got me. Um, now this is brilliant. I, I shouldn't talk. I'm barely literate. It's, a, it's a, a fable about, what is it? Finding, I don't know, finding your destiny or something like that. But it was like, it can't, I read it. I don't know. I've been been feeling it a lot lately and just has some really cute like it's super short read 170 pages or something like that um it's great check it out is this like jonathan livingston siegel or uh zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance it sounds like that kind of vibe no it's a fable so it's like a story about a boy that goes and like tries to find his destiny and just kind of like it doesn't necessarily prescribe any sort of tips or knowledge on how to do stuff it's just like a nice little story that's simple and but you can kind of like i don't know i think it can be applied to to everyone's life on like listening to what your heart wants my heart wants my heart just wants a regular supply of electricity so that it keeps beating <laughs> anyway that's all we got um unless you got something else that uh you want to share i think uh we can call it a show let's call it this one's done <laughs> great perfect way to end the show Yeah, it looks like we've developed a pretty long delay here. Probably something like 20 seconds. I'm putting my hands up. Raise put your hand. hands up when you hear me put my hands up. <laughs> you, know, 
you know the funny thing about that is we actually raised hands at the same time as far as i could tell <laughs> so now i have no idea when the delay is going to be i'll see you laughing any minute now <laughs> uh. <laughs> there it is <laughs> <laughs>